It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 40 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Our main story? Opioid addiction had ravaged large parts of the country before coronavirus came along. Now, those in recovery face a double whammy from the outbreak. Increased vulnerability to the illness and limits on addiction treatments that can only be done in person. But first, here's what happened today. Democrats and the Trump administration are racing to finish a deal for a nearly $500 billion interim coronavirus rescue package in time for Congress to approve it this week. The two sides have yet to hammer out many of the details. Democrats and Republicans disagree about a formula to distribute health care aid to states and which agency should oversee a stepped-up testing program, according to people familiar with the discussions. The package would inject billions into the tapped-out Paycheck Protection Program, which aims to help small businesses keep paying workers. The SBA program has already exhausted the $350 billion it was allotted just weeks ago. It also includes funding for hospitals, particularly in rural areas, and a testing program. Over the weekend, a handful of small protests against lockdown measures were met with support by President Donald Trump. That support goes against the guidance of his own administration's experts. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the country's top infectious disease expert, said today that reopening too soon would damage the economy in the long run not just public health. Fauci was asked on ABC's Good Morning America to respond to protesters who resisted stay-at-home orders with chants of fire Fauci. Clearly, this is something that is hurting from the standpoint of economics, from the standpoint of things that have nothing to do with the virus. But unless we get the virus under control, the real recovery economically is not gonna happen. So what you do if you jump the gun and go into a situation where you have a big spike, you're going to set yourself back. It's going to backfire. That's the problem. In Germany, which has been more successful than the U.S. at limiting the outbreak spread, Chancellor Angela Merkel also warned that the country shouldn't move too quickly to ease up on social distancing measures. The chancellor said that raises the risk of ending up with an even stricter national lockdown. In remarks on Monday, she said the country has made progress, but not yet reached its target. Cases in Germany rose Monday, 
by the smallest amount this month. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. And now for today's main story. Before COVID-19 started spreading around the U.S., the country was already attempting to deal with another health crisis, opioid dependency. Although opioid treatment programs are considered essential public facilities and are allowed to stay open during statewide stay-at-home orders, experts are worried the coronavirus could exacerbate the opioid epidemic, possibly leading to more overdoses. Producer Jordan Gaspure looked into how clinics and federal regulations are adapting to meet the needs of patients. For some patients with opioid use disorder, getting their daily dose of methadone, the prescription drug typically used to treat opioid dependency, is an essential part of their lives. But now, standing in line or being in a crowded waiting room at an outpatient treatment program could increase the risk for COVID-19 infection. Dr. Sue Kim is the medical director of the Harm Reduction Coalition and an addiction medicine attending physician. We know that people um, who use drugs are often, they could be at higher uh, risk for acquiring this, or they might have conditions that predispose them to doing poorly if they do acquire COVID. Um, so it's, it's a very difficult uh, situation. Those with opioid use disorder are already more at risk of homelessness and incarceration than those in the general population. Now, they may be unable to get necessary medications and treatments vital to their recovery. In the U.S., methadone can only be dispensed at highly regulated and monitored opioid treatment programs. There are nearly 2,000 of these programs across the country that see thousands of patients. Many patients taking methadone or the prescription buprenorphine to treat their opioid use disorder aren't able to stay at home because of strict government regulations that limit the way these medications are prescribed and dispensed. Before the coronavirus pandemic, some patients, over time, were able to take home a limited number of doses because they gained the trust of the clinic. But even the most trusted patient generally had to return to the clinic or pharmacy once a week for a supervised dose. The federal government temporarily relaxed restrictions in March for some patients to take home up to a month's worth of their daily methadone or buprenorphine doses, depending on their stability in treatment. Addiction advocates have long pushed for these changes, and research shows that making anti-addiction medications more easily available cuts opioid overdoses in half. Still, even during a pandemic, Dr. Kim says clinicians are leery about giving patients take-home doses because they're afraid they'll be lost, stolen, sold, or lead to an overdose. And these clinics are are each uh, operating, in, you know, they might operate independently, but they are all overseen by a particular state opioid treatment authority who dispenses kind of the advice and the regulations, but it needs to trickle down to clinics and clinics end up having to make a lot of decisions uh, for their patients. It's incredibly complex. 
Opioid treatment facilities around the country have had to change the rehabilitation techniques in the face of the coronavirus pandemic. New patients can now be prescribed buprenorphine virtually or by phone, but for people recovering from opioid use disorder, the new guidelines have been inconsistent. There have been reports of some states requiring patients with take-home doses to come into the clinic, despite changes in federal guidelines. Other clinics are having problems tracking the medications. Substance abuse and mental health services have finally issued some protocols in recent weeks that's starting to make some difference in what towns and cities can do, but there's still a lot of confusion and a lot of fear. Even when a clinic is business as usual, those patients who pay cash for their medication are unable to afford more than their daily prescription. I recently spoke with Melissa Dunford, who started the Faces of Opioids Facebook group in 2017 for those who have been affected by the epidemic, after a friend fatally overdosed. She's heard stories from some of the members who have no recourse but to find the money or forgo life-saving treatment. What we're finding is, one, our cash patients are hosed or screwed over because they might not have money to pay for a 30-day supply and go home with it. So one woman was told, sorry, get the money or you don't get your medicine and just sent out the door. Experts warn that COVID-19 will only worsen the opioid crisis. Workers at some opioid treatment facilities don't have enough face masks and gloves. So these programs are limiting their hours or shutting down completely. Online help groups are working to fill these gaps, but there's a risk that social isolation or an interruption to treatment may make it harder for some people to stay in recovery. Withdrawal sometimes mimics the symptoms of the coronavirus. So there's a fear that physicians evaluating patients with opioid use disorder will fail to identify cases of COVID-19. Staying at home may increase feelings of depression and anxiety in patients, who are at an increased risk of relapse and fatal overdose. If they live alone and overdose, no one will be there to administer naloxone, the drug used to reverse opioid overdoses. Further complicating the problem, if black market drug supplies decrease, opioid dealers will be more likely to lace drugs with other dangerous substances, like fentanyl. Dr. Kim says restrictions on movement may also prevent patients from buying drugs from the regular dealer. So, out of desperation, they'll buy drugs from someone else. I've been concerned that a lot of my patients um, who were managing to get money for heroin every day now don't have jobs. Um, so, you know, everyone is uh, in the addiction community is keenly aware of, um, of how much we need to get these medications to people and how life-saving they are and um, how we can need to be flexible and, um, and accommodating. So, um, and buprenorphine and methadone are much safer, and, and we prefer people to be on those treatments. Health providers in the U.S. are working to make sure patients with opioid use disorder still have access to treatment, even from a distance. As the coronavirus sweeps across the country, closing businesses and forcing many people to stay at home, telehealth treatments are more important than ever. Social isolation and an overburdened health system could undermine years of progress officials have made in addressing the opioid crisis. There are fears that even once the coronavirus is over, it will continue to have profound effects on people with opioid use disorder. That was producer Jordan Gaspure. That's our show for today. For more on the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com slash coronavirus. And one small favor. If you appreciate the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is hosted by me, Laura Carlson. The show was produced by me, Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspure, and Magnus Henriksen. Today's main story was reported by Jordan Gaspure. Original music by Leo Citrin. Our editors are Francesca Levy and Rick Schein. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.